bugs. They can be a problem, can they not? Well, a, a little bit more troublesome than your house flies and your spiders and even, you know, aphids and other bugs that we deal with in agriculture. There is a threat to agriculture in Washington state from a bug, a new um, not so invited guest in our region is is um, could potentially wreak havoc uh, for farming here in Washington State. Welcome to the Farming Show. Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI. Glad you're here on this Saturday morning, bright and early. Uh, and we got to talk about bugs today. You know, it's not always our favorite thing to talk about, but people need to be aware of what's going on. Over on the east side is kind of the epicenter for the concerns about this. What, what's the bug? It's uh, Japanese beetles invasive Japanese beetles. And to be honest, I don't know anything about Japanese beetles, uh, but we're going to bring on an expert. She joins us now, Cassie Chihorse with uh, WSDA, with the Washington State Department of Agriculture. She's an outreach specialist there. Cassie, thanks for joining us on the program this morning. So I guess just to get started, so people are, are aware, and we can talk about what the bugs are like and what you guys are doing, but what's the big concern right at, at, at this point? What kind of damage uh, could we be facing from this invasive species? Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Um, so Japanese beetle, right, it's a new emerging pest in Washington. Um, we've actually been looking for it in Washington since the 90s, uh, making sure it's not here, um, et cetera. And a few years ago, we found Japanese beetle in the lower valley. Since then, we've been working on like a multi-year eradication um, to trap for the beetles, treat for them, and remove them. Because as you mentioned, they cause problems. Um, it could affect agriculture. It's going to affect people in their backyards. Okay. So, so for farming, what do they do? Chew on crops? <laughs> right. So the beetle itself specifically, it has different life stages, right? It's an egg and a larva or a grub and then an adult. When it's in that adult stage, we'll see it in the summer and it'll fly around and it likes green leafy material. It'll chew those leaves and it also likes buds of flowers, right? So if you're a farmer, it eats over 300 different types of crops. Specifically in the lower valley, it really likes hops and it likes grape leaves. So that's some of the main things farmed in there. Um, it can get up in tree canopies and it skeletonizes those leaves with really intense feeding. After years, it could reduce those yields um, and cause other problems for farmers. Aside from just them eating it, um, there's also quarantines and pesticide uses that could become problems for farmers and agriculture as well. Yeah. So what what has the day you, you say again, the lower valley, the Yakima Valley over there in mm -hmm. eastern Washington uh, is where they've been finding these Japanese beetles. That's the invasive species we're talking about right now. How much damage have they been causing already? Have growers of, you know, our famous Washington wines and hops and tree fruit and all those other things, have they been reporting um, significant damage from this yet? So when we think about Japanese beetle and its life stage, right, we talked about those adults. The yeah. next thing we need to think about is its grubs or its larva, yeah. what it looks like before it becomes the adult. Now, these favor grass roots, and that's like our lawn, like our ornamental grasses, 
turf, um, what you have in your front and backyard. And I mean, if you look at your lawn, it's lots of grass. It's just a giant buffet for these beetles, Mm. for their little grubs. So they're going to be really intense in areas where we have parks, where you have your schools, your churches, and all your lawns. So we're going to see most of the beetles in those residential areas. And that's where we're going to see the most destruction caused in our lawns. However, then they will hatch into those adults and they're going to eat whatever's nearby. And they're going to spread themselves out, whether we help transport them um, or they're flying themselves. And then they're going to get into those canopies in those agricultural areas and cause the feeding Hmm. and the effects of the farmers. So, yeah, you talk about grass. Well, of course, in Yakima Valley and over here in western Washington, too, we have a lot of dairy farming. Dairy farming relies on corn and grass uh, amongst a few other things for primary you know feed Uh, they make milk out of grass and and corn so (laughs) is this going to get into agricultural grass fields and destroy crops of science i remember over here in western washington a a few years ago um my cousin was working as an agronomist at the time and we had him on the Mm -hmm. program here to talk about it there was kind of an outbreak for a year or two of a whole bunch of army worms so similar kind of thing (laughs) a bunch of grubs and Mm -hmm. at that time i captured video of them just chewing away on blades of grass out in fields and you could see the these big big fields of grass for forage just decimated from these little grubs from the those little caterpillar worms yeah so one thing to note about grubs, especially these grubs, is it's they're hard to tell apart from other grubs. It's just the typical white C-shaped grub with a brown tan head and visible legs. But in terms of grass, if you think um, like ornamental vegetation, it's going to be not our native tall fescue or hay, like hay grasses. It's going to yeah. be stuff in people's yards. So that's kind of a good thing. Yeah, that's um, good But news. corn... Right. Those corn husks, you know, they could get into it and they could feed on it. But more importantly, it's probably potentially one of their modes of travel and a way they could get transported. So um, in areas where Japanese beetles are feeding and things that they're feeding on, those items, including like your grass clippings, um, those movements could get restricted if you're in an area of Japanese beetle. And that could feel an effect that a farmer or a landowner might feel. So they're not as much of a threat to like field grasses, but they love lawn grasses. They do. And then if you think about it, if you're in your yard and you have all these yummy grubs in it, you're going to have other critters and critters and rodents come in and pull those grubs up and make a bigger mess. Right. Fun, fun. <laughs> and then your lawn, yeah. it's just never going to turn green. You're going to have <laughs> yellow patches. We get a nice rain. You're going to have mud. Kids bringing it in, your animals bringing it in. Um, so, Well, then from a bigger, and by the way, we're talking with Cassie Cheehorse right now. She's an outreach specialist with the Washington State Department of Agriculture talking about invasive Japanese beetles that have reared their ugly head over in uh, the eastern, you know, in the lower valley, Yakima Valley in eastern Washington. Um, a problem for agriculture and a problem for residents with long 
bonds, as we're hearing now. Um, it sounds like from a higher level, you know, lawns and residential areas with things that these bugs like can kind of create a reservoir then for this pest that I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, can then, you know, once the grubs who like the lawns mature, then they can get, you know, get moving and the adults can spread out from there. So the farmers nearby aren't going to be so happy that that lawns and, and resident residential areas are harboring this pest that can then go chew on their crops. Yeah, um, we found them in Yakima, Benton, and Franklin counties, you know, so that's definitely true. And those grubs that are living in those lawns, right, those adults hatch up, they eat leaves and stuff. But also while they're eating, they're mating and they're dropping their eggs. So whatever they're eating on, they're just going to drop below and drop their eggs. Mm. Um, and if you have like a potted plant outside and those beetles drop their eggs in it and you move your potted plant, you know, you can be moving beetles too. So there's lots of ways the beetles can get spread around and find more buffets um, and more agriculture and different things to eat. So now what, what's the risk over here in Western Washington? Is this just going to be an Eastern Washington thing? Or are they going to make their way over the, have they already maybe snuck over here? Nope. They're currently just in Yakima, Benton and Franklin counties. Um, when we first started trapping Japanese beetle, we had a population, a little over 23,000 beetles. Since then we've decreased it down to nine, over 19,655 beetles as of last year. So to get rid of the beetles, it's going to be a trapping, treating, and quarantine process. By trapping for the beetles, we can see where they are. So we set traps all across Washington State to monitor for the beetles and to see if they're spreading. Now, in those areas where we're catching the beetles, when we set the traps, it's helping catch those adults so they can't lay as many eggs. And then we treat for the beetles to help remove them. And then that quarantine is how we help prevent them from moving. Basically, we take the area that the beetles are in and create a boundary around it. We've set traps so we know where the beetles are. And then everything that's inside that boundary, if it can spread beetles, we work with residents and we work with growers to help mitigate those risks. Um, mitigate those risks, right? So they yeah. can move things outside or they can treat things and move things outside, but they're trying to keep those beetles in that area so we have the area to treat. Right. Um, so right now, just the lower valley, but we do keep tabs on the rest of Washington and help work to keep them just in that area. So it could be possible for somebody to get something um, from that area that has eggs or grubs or I suppose adult beetles in it, um, and that could be transported if someone isn't paying attention to the quarantine, and that could end up over here in Western Washington. It's a possibility that could happen. Japanese beetle is also living in the east coast of the United States, right? Um, so people could move from there um, or buy things and potentially transport it over here if they're not following different rules and regulations as well. I think about this in terms of farm products and, you know, a lot of people will buy hay and, and different grass uh, crops and other things for feed, 
here in Western Washington mm-hmm. from Eastern Washington. Is there a risk in, in that? I, I guess growers in a quarantine area will know that they can't yeah. sell those kinds of so, crops over here. If you remember like our feed hay um, our, and our grasses like that, they're not going to harbor the beetle. And then if you think about how they are mechanically baled and smushed together, yeah. no beetle is going to make it through that process. Okay. So good we're know. good to transport hay in and out. It's just like if you live there, you cut your grass, you don't want to move those grass clippings so okay and and again this is the farming show here on on kgmi <laughs> news talk 790 96.5 fm in bellingham i'm dylan honkoop your host this hour and cassie Cheehorse is with us right now she's with wsda talking about these invasive japanese beetles um you're putting me at least at somewhat at ease that they can't be transported say in hay or grass crops and that they don't like farm you know field grass forage grasses that's that's huge because i figured if they like lawns they would like um like big you know orchard grass fescues other things like that triticale i i don't know if they like that um i mean you do have to be a little careful with your mixes but um the reality of if someone's haying a field um that mechanical bill of the hay is is gonna be fine what if it's a i i suppose a silage bale and i don't know if people transport silage bales from the east side over here so much as dry hay i i couldn't tell you on that but i would imagine the ensilement what's the right word ensiling process uh would kill any bugs in say like a wrapped bale as well yeah think about it along the same kind of coincidence as um compost right if we compost in our backyard it's not typically like heated up enough right and it could be soily that might move Japanese beetle, but like a dairy farm, a composting facility like that, you know, they're going to heat it up and mix things around before they move them. So like dairy manure wouldn't be at risk to move, um, or sorry, dairy compost would not be at risk to move Japanese beetle versus your backyard compost potentially could be. Yeah. Well, and I'm wondering, I, I guess you talk about treating for it, um, and it sounds like probably the best place to treat is residential areas where these things like to hang out and grow up before they spread out into possibly spread out into ag areas. Is that something that homeowners need to be doing? They need to be treating their lawns in those areas so this doesn't become a big problem and start spreading across the state? Yeah, they do. But the cool thing about this is, you know, we have this multi-year eradication, right? Our chance to get rid of them and treatment is part of our steps. Mm -hmm. So we actually go into residential areas and treat people's lawns for free. We send them out a mailer, right? We send them out a mail and ask for their consent consent to enter their property in the spring and we'll actually treat them for free. So it's treatments free to the landowner. We come in and do it for them. Makes a lot of sense because it benefits everybody. I mean, I could see someone being like, I don't want to sink money into treating my lawn. Maybe I don't care that much about my lawn, but nearby agriculture sure as heck cares uh, if, if these beetles start to explode because people aren't treating for them. Right. So it's a big project. It's a lot of cooperation between landowners and agriculture combined, kind of to reach this like common goal of getting it out of Washington. That way we can operate freely and we don't have to live with this pest, the long term pesticide use um, and the regulatory effects we could potentially have. Yeah. Um, you guys at Washington State Department of Ag think, you know, are you optimistic that we can get rid of this thing entirely and it would be gone? 
I would say, yeah, we're optimistic. I mean, our numbers have decreased greatly and we do have neighboring states who have success stories. So um, in Oregon, they started off with a population of around 20,000. They've been going on to multiple years and I believe they were sitting at four or six the last I heard. Hmm. And if you turn and look at Idaho, they have a huge success story in Boise. Um, It took them about six years, but they went down to zero and they have beetles pop up in pockets of Caldwell and Pocatello and they've also been able to remove and treat. So our neighboring states have done it. Um, we're continuing the process. Our numbers are going down and we'll hopefully just continue that role of working with the landowners and the farmers to, you know, completely yeah. remove Japanese beetle. Well, I hope you guys are successful and can contain it and keep it there and it doesn't spread. And certainly it doesn't end up over here. Uh, selfishly, I'm sorry for those folks who have to deal with it over in the, in the lower Yakima Valley. Uh, Cassie Chihorse uh, with us right now with the Washington State Department of Agriculture. Um, what else? I mean, do you just deal with bugs or what, what all? <laughs> What all do you yeah, do there so with WSDA? I do outreach some for this state. A lot of it's with the pest program. So I go around and I meet with people, landowners, residents, and different groups and teach them about some of the emerging pests or potentially some of the problems they could have in their backyard. And the greatest tool that I can give them is to let them know how they can help. So for example, if you are just someone listening in and you ever happen to see Japanese beetle or think you see it, there's one very important thing that you can do. And what do you think that is? Uh, I don't know. Call, email, something <laughs> like that and say, hey, right. guys. But before you do any of that, I always remind people to try to do one thing. Capture the bug. Before you capture it, I want you to take, take a, a picture. picture. All right. Yeah, there yeah. you go. You, you so, shoot it. <laughs> Shoot it right? with a camera. Uh, on, yep. And everybody has a camera in their your phone you know, in their pocket now. So that, that can happen. Right. If you try to catch it, it might fly off. And um, pictures are the best way that we can have evidence and we can have proof so that we can act and we can do something, follow up with you and work. So that's kind of what I do in a nutshell. I'm available um, as a resource to the public, to groups, basically anybody who um, needs needs some help or wants some education. That's kind of what my job is. Okay, so if, if I see one, and I hope I don't over here in Western Washington, but mm-hmm. if somebody sees one or what they think could be one, and you can probably Google this up too if you want to get images of a Japanese beetle so you know what we're talking about. And also remembering that there are three different life stages. I don't know. Are the eggs tiny? I can, can you even see those? <laughs> I mean, I think it's just easiest to think of grubs and adults. Yeah, and the grubs are yeah. going to have to dig into the soil. Grubs look the same. So I would focus on looking for the adults in the summer. And uh, do they have identifying marks on them? Yeah, so it's about the size of your pinky nail. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a green metallic-y beetle with copper wing covers. Okay. And again, you're going to see them in the summer. Um, if you see it, snap it, send it. You can report a couple different ways, but the easiest way is to go online to agr.wa.gov beetles and upload your photo. You can also email pestprogram at agr.wa.gov or call our 800 hotline. And that's just the simplest, easiest thing you can do. Half of our reports um, on invasive species come from the public, right? And half of our reports come from trapping, whether that's working with animals, plants, and insects. So the public plays a large role in helping protect Washington 
that's why we're trying to educate and have everybody work together. Perfect. Well, thank you for all the information and thanks for the work that you guys are doing uh, to contain this. Um, some people may say, well, you know, is it how big of a deal is it? But <laughs> it's better to nip this in the bud before it, it explodes because, well, it sounds like it's been a real headache for folks back on the East Coast uh, where they have bigger populations of these things. Cool. Well, I appreciate your time and for having me. And I hope we don't see the beetles in other areas. Yeah. Um, but everybody should keep their eyes open. Yeah, fingers crossed for that. Cassie Cheehorse uh, with the Washington State Department of Agriculture. We appreciate your time this morning.